Welcome to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast. The show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina, owner of Quotable Media Co., a PR and media company. After nearly 10 years of building a PR agency, I've learned a lot about business and entrepreneurship, but the most valuable things have always come through conversation with other women who have been in it too, and I want to share all of that with you. So sit back, fill your coffee cup up, and listen in. I'm so excited to have Emily Ward and Jess Hunnishan on today. They're the co-founders of Shine Talent Group, and I think they have a lot to share with us today. I'm excited to hear more about what you ladies are up to. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for having us. So I know... um, it's, it's sometimes a little tricky to have two people at once. So I, I like that we can see each other at least so we can have a sense of, of like who's going to say something or, or, you know, talk at the moment. But I want to hear, you know, just straight from either one or both of you, like what is Shine Talent Group? What, do you, what are you all about and what do you do there basically before we get into anything else? Yeah, of course. So Shine is a talent management agency and we specialize in the digital space. Um, So this is a fairly new industry. So what that means is the Instagrammers, the YouTubers, the TikTokers that you see out there, we manage them in the same way that a model would have a modeling agency or an actor would have a talent agency. Um, We manage those talents. So we negotiate all of the brands that they work with. We pitch the brands, we negotiate the contracts, we do all the logistics. Um, So we basically do like the business side of things and they can focus then on the creative. So we have offices in LA and Toronto and represent, I want to say, give or take now around 120 talent across, across North America. Um, keeps us, keeps us busy. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was gonna say a good comparison that, um, we give to people like often is it's similar to either like a sports management agency who would represent athletes and then negotiate all of their endorsement deals like that way, or a modeling agency who has a bunch of models. Um, so that's more on like the, the collaboration deal side. And the difference being is that we also help them in terms of personal branding and personal like brand management that way. So it's really kind of, um, a meld of both of those worlds. Wow. Yeah. I have so many questions. I think this is something that, you know, we all know it's like a thing. We all know what's going on out there when we, when we follow these Instagrammers and influencers and stuff, but I think most people really don't know much about what goes on behind the scenes and how it's really all happening. And, you know, we know they're getting paid to promote stuff, but like, how is that really happening? And what is it like, you know, I know a lot of smaller brands or a lot of the people who listen to this podcast, um, or people that I've talked to before people I've worked with before have done like, you know, dabbled in a certain amount of like influencer marketing, influencer campaigns, maybe reached out to like some local influencers and asked them to share about something or, or come into their store or something like that. But I think we all know there's like a whole other level to it when you're getting into those like major influencers whose job it is and who are, who are working on these big, big brand deals. So I'm super curious to hear more. I think I I have one quick question before, like, I do want to kind of back up first and ask you a little bit more about like the business side of things before we go too much into like the logistics of this. But you said you kind of pitched the 
pitch brands. Like, I'm curious, like how much of it, and again, just quickly before we come back to this more, how much of it is like brands coming to you guys or coming to the influencers and saying, here's something I want to do. Do you have an influencer for me to work with or, or having a certain one in mind already? And how much of it is you guys actually connecting them to brands that like you're, you're forming that connection for them because like as, as a, as a pitch to the brand. Yeah, it's so I would say there's kind of like there's three ways that it happens. So one, a brand will reach out to the talent directly. Um, and then all of the talent who are signed with Shine, they're all exclusive to us. So then they flip that over to us and we negotiate it, push for, you know, the like better deliverables, strong budgets, good timelines, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's the brand coming directly to the talent. Other times the brand will come directly to Shine and say, I'm looking for 10 talent for the launch of my ex. Um, Who do you have that you think would be a really great fit for this, this product or service? And then the third part is shine going as the talent might say to us, oh my gosh, I really want to work with smart water. And we'll say, okay, we'll go and pitch a campaign with smart water for you. So on average, and of course this fluctuates talent to talent, we see that we bring our talent either through like option B or C that I kind of just ran through. Um, we bring our talent usually 50 to 60% of the, of the collaborations that they work on. As I said, absolutely fluctuate. Some talent we bring 10%, others we bring 90. Um, but that's on average across the 120 talent, roughly what we see. Wow. So you're bringing, you're bringing a lot to the table for them too. That's, that's really cool. So I want to back up again, as I already said, like, I want to hear a little bit how, how would you, how you actually got started with this? I think you guys both have like a PR background or, or the company itself has a PR background and then shifted more to the, to this influencer side of things. Like what was that like? What is that? I guess that whole like project, um, what's, what was it like from where you, I guess, started in your careers or in this business, wherever you want to start, tell us like how you got to, to what it is now. Like it's, it can be a long story. Or- <laughs> Give us the medium, medium version. Medium story. Well, in terms of, um, like PR and like the evolution of PR, like that's definitely where it came from. So Justin and I both come from very strong PR backgrounds, um, myself more like on the agency side and just, um, also on like the entertainment side, like in television. Um, and when we started shine back in 2015, Jess and I started the company first to shine PR as a boutique PR agency. But it's, it's funny. I feel like as like freelancers working more easily to us in a lot of ways. And we, um, decided to take like the plunge and start an agency and brand ourselves as an agency because we wanted to present ourselves as being more um, able to take on larger, you know, deals, larger programs. We had booked some really good meetings and want to present ourselves that way. But uh, in fact, bringing in, um, contracts and clients as a small agency proved itself to be harder than, um, the freelance side. And we were looking for ways to kind of like carve out a niche for ourselves to make ourselves stand out because there's a lot of boutique PR agencies that exist out there. Um, and Jess had seen in Australia where she's from, there was an agency who had started to dabble in representing social talent, but nobody was really doing it in Canada. Hmm. So it was like an interesting time to start to look at it. And in all honesty, like we thought that we would do this and maybe it would bring in, you know, stronger PR clients for us, but we never could have imagined that it would have exploded the way it did. But it was certainly um, a, a bit of a product of the times as well. So in Canada, around 
2015, a lot of the major media houses started to shut down um, editorial, lifestyle editorial publications. The ad dollars weren't going there as much anymore because advertisers weren't getting the same return if they put an ad in a magazine. They recognized that consumers were like going to social now to get like all their information. So the ad dollars were going away from the magazines. The magazines were shutting down and publicists were not able to get the same amount of PR hits from doing their regular media relations pitches. So they started to look to bloggers to be able to get like those hits, but they didn't really know how to work with them because bloggers like aren't journalists. Um, and Jess and I, when we, we started shine, we like wanted to get our name out there. We started to host a lot of, um, shine centered events just to network and, and, and to, you know, grow our name. And we met a lot of the bloggers, um, in that space. And we saw their side of it, how they were struggling to know how they could be working with these clients. They didn't know their value. They didn't know how to kind of set things up on like a business standpoint. And that was really like where we kind of came in with shine influencers. We launched shine influencers that same year. And we said, well, we'll sit in between. We'll like help the talent be able to communicate and, and negotiate for uh, the collaborations that they're working on. And we'll help like the brands and agencies be able to like speak to the talent, be able to work effectively with them to get like their programs off the ground. And it's been, um, it's been a wild ride since then. Wow. Yeah, no, it all makes total sense. I think like, as you said, it was right around that time that bloggers and influencers were really becoming like a, a bigger thing and something that people realized they could pay for essentially. But there's so much disconnect between so many brands like don't know, or especially when it was first kind of getting bigger, like didn't know, how do I pay them? How much do I pay them? How much are things worth? And same thing on the influencer side, right? They were like, I want to do this, but I don't really know how much to ask for. I don't know how much I can say, you know, say it's worth or how to make it work. So people needed that, that in between kind of, and even like, even now there's like still basically no standardization across the industry. So it's not like, okay, well you take your followers and you multiply it by X and divide it by Y. And this is what your rate will be like that. That formula doesn't exist and nor should it, um, to be honest, because it really doesn't take into account supply and demand and, you know, and like the actual impact that someone can have, um, outside of just their, their audience size. So that's, um, that's something that we are like, we can come in and we can, you know, try to set a benchmark and, and so many other agencies popped up after shine in Canada. And we're like, this is amazing. And so many people go, Ooh, all these people are trying to like do what you're doing. We're like excellent. Because it just like collectively raises the bar and mm-hmm. we couldn't, nor did we want to represent every single person. Like we, we didn't have the capacity to, and, and we really pride ourselves on having like a very low ratio of talent to talent manager. So we like, we didn't want to have thousands of talent. Like we just didn't. So with all of these other agencies popping up, like, okay, across the board now we're all pushing for better rates so that the brands really have like no choice, but to come to the party. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's so many influencers out there. There's only so many you can work with, I'm sure, but it does look like you guys have grown a lot in last, in just last couple of years, even last several years. Like what did, um, I saw something about like you acquired another company and you have, as I think you mentioned when we first started, you have two different locations. So what is that part of it? How does that come about? What is that like? Yeah. The acquisition was a fun one that, um, it's something that we had talked about in 2020 in terms of being something that like we wanted to explore and then COVID happened and it, 
it, it just became like a low priority for us because we were focused on, you know, supporting our team, supporting our talent, supporting all of the businesses that we worked with and wanting to give them the tools and strategy on how to navigate the like rapidly changing landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, but that resulted in a lot of growth for the company. And then right at the end of 2020, um, fourth floor management who we know really well, have a great working relationship approached us. They also have a PR agency and they were kind of like where we had our PR agency on the talent management. And we just went like full force talent side. They were more of the opposite. Their PR agency is very strong, does works with wonderful Canadian clients or wonderful clients in Canada, I should say. And they came to us and, and said, do you want to do this? And we said, yes. And then it happened. And you know, a few more meetings here and there in between those two things, but long story yeah. short. I was um, going to say, I feel like things like that, like when, when there's, when it's right, they're very easy to do. I, we've been approached like many times, like over the years for different, like merger or acquisition, like opportunities. And they're always challenging. Like they, they don't run smoothly, but this one with fourth floor, it was really simple. I think there was like a ton of synergies and it can be done like really like respectfully and, you know, for the success of like both sides and it's been great. And it allowed us to expand our, um, our Canadian talent pool, which was, was wonderful for us. So we originated in Canada and then we had started our, um, LA agency three years ago. Three, yeah, I guess now it'd be three, three, right on three and a half years ago now. Yeah. 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 So, um, uh, the acquisition allowed us to get more, put more investment, like into the Canadian team, which was great. Yeah. That sounds amazing. So what is it, do you guys travel back and forth between the two different locations or do you have somebody else running? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, we have like a killer team in LA. I think we have, there's a, there's about 32 of us all together across both. Sounds like um, a lot Yeah, it is. Um, but COVID um, allowed us to also hire people outside, like out of state. Mm, um, yeah. So now we have someone in Arizona and North Carolina and Texas. So we're kind of all, we're all scattered now. Um, but yes, we, we actually just moved into a new space in LA that when we were kind of, again, navigating COVID, we're like, do we want to go back to like a off, like a regular traditional office? And the consensus across the team was no, Mm -hmm. um, they really enjoyed working from home, but they also needed and wanted like the ability to not work from home or to like get together in groups. And like that, we outgrew that so quickly because where two years ago, like four people would go and like sit in a cafe together and work together. I'm like, we can't do that with 15 people. A bit ridiculous. But really um, when you go in with like a team of 20. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, we like taking over whole restaurants. Um, so we're kind of like, what do we do that like like gives them what they need, but also like really works for the agency? So we ended up renting um like a beautiful house in LA. And then when Em and I come back and forth, like we can stay there or like other Toronto team members or out-of-state team members can go and spend some time with the LA team. So we have like one part of the house set up is like a house, like where we live, where we, you know, there's a bedroom and things like that. And then the rest of the house is set up as an office. So it's kind of a bit of a like work from home, but not your own home yeah. mentality. Um, and it just like, it allows that, like, like we run a business, like we're in the business of collaboration. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, our team needs to be collaborative as well. And it's, it was, we had amazing growth during COVID, like our team, more than doubled, which is really exciting. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I think they're going to just like 
take it to a whole other level, being able to like physically be together and learn from each other because like they're all brilliant. Yeah. And but right now they're all, they're so isolated. Like they just have it, like their own brilliance to work with. It really is impressive. Like when like we look at them and what they were able to do throughout the pandemic, like everybody struggled like in like their own ways, but like the um, like career, personal career growth that happened within like the team and how they were able to find ways to make it work. I mean, we had team members who like would sit on um, Google Hangouts with, you know, if they had a new coordinator who would join like all day, they would have them on Google Hangouts. And that's the way that they figured out to like stay connected and to be working together in that like pseudo um, environment. So I think like stuff like that is it's, they've been amazing. And as Jess said, like, I think them being able to be in the same like room together safely and all those things, it's just, you know, um, allow like all of those like creative juices and learnings to be shared so much more freely. And they're all really excited about it. So it's great. And still giving them the flexibility that like nobody has to be anywhere. Um, but you can be. Yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. I let that sounds like such a creative, solution like it doesn't have to be an office building in like a high rise or whatever like why not just get a house and then you guys can yeah. stay there too when you come and it just yeah. that just sounds like it feels so like comfortable and like cozy for people to go meet up and like, work from it's really like on brand for us you know what it's I mean like, very fine as well very fine um <laughs> like it like we also wanted a space where like with the team we're like invite clients over, invite talent over, like they can shoot at the house if they need to. Like Mm. it it now has created this space that like we can bring other people into. And we've just, just started to do that because it just got furnished. Um, but even with that, like people come in and they're like, this is beautiful. Like, I think it's going to be our biggest, like secret recruitment tactic (laughs) because we'll come in and be like, I would like to work here, please. I'm like, well, you can. Um, so I feel like it's going to be like really great for like other parts of the business. And like, they're so like, the team is so great and so excited about like, they want to be there and they want to have agencies come and go. And it's a, yeah, it's, it's going to be really fun to see like what they do now that they're all like together. Yeah. I think it's like a a, a nice part of like our culture as well. Like, I feel like we've never um, been super corporate in any of our, you know, professional always, but never like that super, um, traditional corporate style of doing anything. And I think the house is like a perfect example of that. And as we've gotten like so much bigger, um, for Justin, I like, it still, uh, preserves some of that element. There's still like that kind of like family feel like to this business. It's kind of like, you know, startup feel to the business of when we first started working and we were working from each other's homes because that's what we could afford. So I love it. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, that's, I love it too. I I think that's so cool. How did you guys, I I should have asked this before. How did you two first meet up and decide to even work together to begin with just quickly? Yeah, we met. uh, So I, as Sam said, I'm from Australia. So I had moved um, almost eight years ago now, which is like blows my mind crazy. Um, but I had moved to Toronto from Melbourne, um, for a boy, silly long story that we don't need to go into. Um, so I, I moved and was looking for a job and like my background was in like entertainment PR. And I, I really thought that I would just like find a job and start working and have no problems, but that did not happen. Um, so I really, I really struggled to find a job and through 
a random outreach that I'd made to someone else, not in PR because I'd like really given up on that. And I was like, I think I'm going to go back into like events and wedding planning. Um, and I reached out to a planner who I thought was like, just really cool. And she happened to be friends with M and she was like, it sounds like you're much more suited to PR. I'm going to connect you with my friend. And she did. And I was like, I like, I don't think this is going to go anywhere because I was like just disenchanted with PR. And then Emily and I met and we started working together like that day. And then we never stopped working together. So it's, uh, it happened like, as Em said, like, I think when things are meant to happen, they kind of happen easily. So Em had her freelance PR business at the time and was had like a little bit too much work to do. But like when you're a freelancer, like you don't want to say no to anything. Um, so had a bit of extra work and she was like, could you, can I have you do like this and this and this? And I said, yes, because I, like, I desperately need to work at that point. Um, and then it just kind of like flowed from there. So, uh, so yeah. It, uh, I was telling that story though, the other day, just like on another podcast interview. And I just remember, cause you came, this is when I used to work at, um, my gym, my gym had like uh, a daycare service. So I was a freelancer. So I put my kids in the gym daycare and I'd go and work in the bistro because that was what made sense to me at that time. <laughs> and that just there. And you came in and you're wearing like this big floral, like sundress, like you had like, this like this beautiful beauty you looked beautiful and you came into like there's a turnstile of like the gym yeah I remember that yeah like your like big like flowy floral dress like like, my dress through yeah I'm like this girl's amazing (laughs) (laughs) the rest was history yeah Yeah, exactly so uh so yeah it uh it happened like in the most like lovely organic way and and it just like we just like built from there and so when did you start bringing on like team members or, or what is it like? I guess, I guess I'm most curious, like what it's like now that you have such like a, a fairly large team, like how do you, do you guys each manage different things? What are you actually doing day to day when you have so many people helping to actually manage the talent and you're, I'm, I assume you're more like running the business, but, or how much of that is true or how much of it are you still kind of in, in it with the client stuff? We're, we're pretty, we're pretty in it for sure. Like I think and it, it changes every like couple months in terms of yeah. um, exactly what like is dominant, like within our roles. But I was chatting the other day with like an outside consultant who we work with sometimes. And I was saying, I'm like, I personally never worked on a team this big, like in my like career, I worked at a small boutique PR agency or um, advertising agency. That was, I think 12 people in total. I did work for a very big global agency, but my department, I don't think it was ever bigger than like 12 or 13 people itself as well. So this team, the shine team is the largest team that I have ever like personally worked on as well. So it's like, it's a learning curve, um, all the time to figure out like how, um, how to best do it and to give people opportunities in terms of their own personal growth and leadership, like themselves. Um, Jess and I have never been super, uh, articulate in terms of what is her role, like versus mine, there's so much blend across it, uh, which is always worked out like really well, but we do get asked that question, like often like, Oh, you know, what parts of business do you take on versus like the other? And where there's definitely projects that one person leads over the other, um, the like actual job, like we, we don't fall into like CEO, CFO or CEO Mm -hmm. roles. Like we're, we're, we're partners. So yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like we ebb and flow on things. Like there'll be sometimes where like, I feel like we get into like a habit where we're like, we're both in like every meeting and then we're like, wait, we need to divide and conquer some things. You take this, I'll take that. But then the next month we could 
could like totally switch those things. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's never really been like clearly defined, but in a very positive way. You know? I think it's interesting though, because um, we've had to sign like some like new documents like recently for something um, and like a lot of like government like papers and government papers, like they never are set up for like true partnerships. Hmm. Yeah. You so know? it's like director and secretary or yeah, they force like, you to choose who's like president and vice president. And I was like, but we're both like it, it, there uh, a lot of the documentation, even though you can be in partnership in companies, it's not set up that way. And I, I was like acutely aware of it for whatever reason. in like the last rounds of signings on things, like, it's so funny that actually there's not like an option yeah. to have two equals. Yeah, and they always say like, because we'll be like, oh, like, can we both be listed as the director or could we both? And they're like, like, you can't, but like, it really doesn't matter anyway. Like these titles mean nothing. We're like, okay, like it, it's fine. But it's like, it's lucky that like, we're not, um, I don't know if prideful is like ego driven, I suppose that like, if M's listed as the president, I'm not like, you know what I mean? Like we, we don't have like big egos attached to it. So like, but I could see in some cases where people would be like nervous. I want to be listed as the president. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, but we, we've never really, like we ask the question because sometimes it's like, wait, why is it like this? And then they're like, oh, it doesn't even matter anyway. Like, all right, then put us down, whatever. It doesn't matter to us then either, I guess. But like, it's so silly. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. And so like, what if you have, like, do you have people who are like the directly report to you and you'll just kind of do a meeting with them all together or, or it's just like either, or whoever's around, will kind of do it and fill each other in. Yeah. Some things we like, we go kind of week on week off with, but we were just doing like our, our big, big, like 2022 planning sessions um, last week. And with that, we kind of wanted to like figure out like good structures for the meetings, because we do find that sometimes if we go week on week off and flip flop, then sometimes like I'll ask a question and they will have like, the team will have explained it to M last week. So Mm -hmm. we're trying to like figure out how we can like both be across things, but not kind of like hold up the team with the, like them being able to move forward on things. So it's uh, but it, as we said, like it changes all the time. So like now as the team gets bigger and bigger, like we, we can't directly manage 32 people. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't work to do that with us also like running the business. Um, but we have like, we have such a great leadership team, like out the, um, our leader in LA, Coco and Sam in Toronto, like they're so great. And they're like, they've grown into their roles so beautifully that like we, it enables us to like have so much trust and be able to like, I don't say focus on other projects, but like be able to like look at other opportunities and like, what can we do to like build the agency, like more holistically and, and things like that. Like it allows us to like step back and like, look at it from afar, which is so hard to do when you're like in the weeds of everything. Yeah. I mean, there's a number of our team members who've been around for like um, a long time, like with us. So they've kind of like been through the growth of shine and like the journey of it with us and like with their, um, their learnings and their like career aspirations and all of that, like we've, um, formed new roles for them and we've allowed them to kind of take on more and more leadership because like they're ready for it. So I feel like, um, it, it, it never felt wrong to kind of like take on like different roles or not to be as like ingrained in certain parts of the business. Cause we only did it when there was like truly a team member who was ready to take it on. 
Um, and we stay like involved in like the minutia of the business, um, you know, like through kind of the, our status meetings and, and those types of tasks. And also like through like the trainings and like the onboarding of team members, like when new team members come on board and join the team, like we're like involved in that. We're heavily involved in like how people are, are trained and like brought into the company, which um, I think allows people to kind of start successfully and all kind of start from the same spot of where Jess and I did. Yeah. And so I know you said you have, you try to keep a low ratio of like team members and, and talent. What does that look like? Like how many clients is each person working on? And and is it like, once you know, okay, we have like three new, you know, three new clients maybe coming on. So we should hire another team member to, to take on, you know, to take those ones on kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So we've kind of learned over time how to, how to balance that scale. Um, so typically a talent manager will have 10 talent who they work with exclusively. They will often have a coordinator also who works like exclusively on those talent. So it's usually like two talent managers, talent coordinators to 10 talent. Um, but there's like some people in our team who manage like one talent or like three talents. So it, it really depends on like what their role is like within the agency and, and kind of how to balance that, that workload. Um, but, but yes, we'll either like, it's an interesting industry in that it is so new. So it's really hard to find people who have just got like talent manager experience. Yeah. Like, nobody has experience uh, at least of that many years. That many not that many agencies around. So we will like often, if we find someone who we just like really like, we've just hired them and figured it out. Like we're like, there'll be something for them to do. Like what could go wrong? Um, because we found that like, there's so many parts of this job that like we can, we can teach someone to be like a great talent manager if they have like great, like soft skills and existing characteristics. Like we can teach the talent management side of it, like we've done it many times over now. Um, so it's that part of it is, it was, it's funny. We do a, in like our status calls, we often will do like a little compliment circle and like everyone compliments one person. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were doing it about Sophie today, one of our team members in Toronto. And I, I, my compliment to her was that like, she reminds me that people can come into this job with no talent management experience at all and thrive but if they have, it's just like, they have to have those right, like the, just the right personality and you can, you can make it work. So it's uh yeah, we've, we've often hired people that were like, this person just seems to be the right fit and we don't want to let them go. So let's just hire them and we can find the talent to, to bring on and have them manage. Yeah. I found that that's, that's the way I like to hire too. I found that that's like the most important thing is, is who the person is, what kinds of, what kind of person are they? And what are some of those, like, yeah, the softer skills, I guess, like different things about like how they present themselves, how they, or how they, you know, go about doing things. And then you can teach the actual skills for what the job entails, as long as they're like the kind of person who's going to like fit in really well with your team and be someone you like to be around and things like that seen that too. So what, this is a good, um, segue into, I wanted to like ask a little more about like what it actually means to manage talent. I imagine. So for me, it sounds kind of overwhelming. It sounds like there's like a lot of like logistics and like details that go into this because I know like when it comes to social media, it's just hard. It's a lot to keep track of. I imagine like sometimes we'll send in like 
you know, a, a local influencer to like a local, um, brick and mortar, like client of ours. And even just keeping track of like what time they're going in and what we want them to you know, what we want to tell them so that they can talk about it in the way we want. And then making sure we see if they post about it. Like, that's like really the extent of like what I've ever, how I've ever been in it. And I know that's like minuscule compared to what you guys are managing. So what is like the day to day look like for your, or, or not necessarily day to day, but what, 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 what all does that entail for your client, um, your talent managers and stuff? I think it's a, a, a lot of like, organization is key. Like when it comes mm-hmm. to talent managers and talent coordinators, because like the volume is, is high as well. So like on like a very base level, just coordinating like all those details in terms of what are the elements of the campaign and making sure that the talent is like well briefed and making sure that when the content comes in for um, like for approval and review that the talent management team is going through it and checking through to make sure that it like lines up against the brief and all that, like to be like, organized and be, have like strong, like um, time management is like pretty essential on that level. Um, different agencies like have different, like, um, roles, like within talent management, I think our team is, oh gosh, I mean, they're so good in terms of personal branding and understanding that and be able to like work with talent on further articulating that. So they're able to find amazing brand collaborations that match up with it. They're really good on that side. They're incredible in terms of sales. Like our team is so strong in terms of outreach and sales. And that's like not a skill that usually I feel like talent managers come into the job with. A lot of talent managers come from um, like PR backgrounds or marketing like backgrounds, which is amazing. Um, but the sales side isn't something that they're always taught. So for them to be able to research, um, research the brands and know the strategy of what brands would be good to collaborate with, but also like find the contact to be able to like reach out to that contact in a way that they like will reply to you to be able Mm -hmm. to like grow that deal that comes in. And like, they're, they're very good at that. Um, and then the other side that our team, um, does incredibly well is, um, like the contract management. So we obviously bring in, um, like legal when we need to with like, you know, larger programs, our team has been trained by like legal counsel in terms of how to look through contracts, but they are so good at like redlining and detailing out a contract to make sure that the deal is valued appropriately. So sometimes, and it's not by anybody's like, you know, sneaky ways. I feel like it's more brands sometimes just don't understand the parameters of what they've like agreed to. So they might bring forward, they may think that they've, you know, um, done an agreement for an IG post and like stories, but then you get the contract and they also want exclusivity for, you know, three months. And they also want to have, you know, usage, um, opportunities, but they haven't actually costed that out effectively. Our team is so good about spotting all that to protect both sides of the relationship and make sure that everybody like is educated and aware in terms of what, um, the program is that they're moving forward with together. Yeah, it sounds, yeah, it sounds complicated. It's a lot of, um, a lot of things to keep track of. I'm thinking, I just, one thing I was thinking about, as you said that too, is I imagine sometimes you work with brands who, want to work with several of your clients at once. So maybe you have different people working on kind of like with the same brand with different talent, depending on who they represent. And then sometimes it's probably just like a brand, a brand is coming for one certain person. We try and streamline that to make it really easy for the brand or agency who we're working with that like, that's the benefit of working with five of our talent is that you'll have like one point of contact, one point, one person sending the invoices. So you're not like 
you don't have to communicate with five people. We can like really streamline that for them. Um, so, so yeah, that, that happens. That happens a lot. Like all the time we have, or like, we'll, we'll say to brands who we work with, um, Oh, I know you're working with this person. Like, are you looking for more talent? We have a couple of other people who we think would be amazing and very complimentary to the person you've already booked. Um, and they'll off, more often than not say like, yeah, we'd love to see them. So it's, uh, it, again, that's like, it's the benefit of being part of a larger network where like so many, so many deals are coming into the agency as a whole that you're being presented for, you know, you're being put in front of new brands and agencies all the time. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Seems like, seems like it makes things so much easier on the talent side too, because it sounds like they just have basically send everything to you guys and then can just like ask all the questions to you guys, send everything all at one, to one place and not have to always, cause I just imagine behind the scenes. And I mean, I've seen some influencers talk about this, like that there's just so much of like the business side of things that go into every like sponsored post they do or every, every collaboration they do is like contracts and emails back and forth of timelines and deliverables. And is this, you know, approved and yeah. it sounds overwhelming to me. All the time, right. That, you know, when, when we're talking to new talent, like I imagine that you didn't get into the business of hair tutorials on TikTok because you loved contracts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but it, like that does become like such a huge part of the job. Um, so what we, what we're saying to them is like, let us come on. We'll be an extension of your team. We take a commission. Like that's the same with all talent management agencies. Um, so we'll take a commission of the deal, but what we really allow you to do more than anything is focus on continually creating better and better content. So your audience is going to grow. Your engagement is going to be stronger. You're going to get more brand deals anyway, because your, your mind is fully in the creative side of this business and we can handle everything else so that you can just be like even better at what you're great at, you know? So it, uh, it allows them to grow in such, again, such an organic way because their mind is like fully in that creative side. Right. And it's, it's going to pay for itself probably with like one extra brand deal a month that they can handle because they're not dealing with everything else. That and like our team are also just like really good negotiators. So, mm. oh yes, yeah, so you guys get better. Not even an extra brand deal, just like a better negotiated brand deal. True. And so I've got to ask, do you guys take, is it like a percentage of like each deal? Yeah, we take a 20% commission. Okay. But you, yeah, but you know how to get the right prices for them. So it makes sense. Like, it's like no brainer for them. Yeah, we can negotiate it at least 20% higher. So like wow. they're not even, that you don't even feel it. Do you, do you, do you have influencers coming to you, like asking to take, to like hire you guys basically as the management mostly? Is that how you get them? Every day we get emails from, from talent who are looking to be represented. And we have um, a really good system now. Um, like we have a casting like team who reviews talent weekly and presents them to the team at status meetings. And, um, uh, you know, you can kind of make a case for somebody who you really want to trial. Um, but in, in general, like we're always like looking for people who are like, um, who can work alongside the talent that we have, but are not necessarily like, competitive to them as well. Like we don't want to be taking on too many people like in the same like space who could go and be like taking deals from each other. We're always looking for people who can work like um, collaborative collaboratively like with each other as well. Um, and I, I feel like sometimes like with talent management uh, agencies, talent are like um, thinking that 
they can reach out to us and like, we will create the brand like for them that will kind of like create like the opportunities. And I always find that kind of interesting, which is why we created shine school, um, which is more for the base knowledge for like emerging talent, but really the talent who we're looking for at this point in time are the ones who are already on the radars of brands who are already doing like some brand collaborations themselves. And maybe the volume is getting too high for them to be able to manage on their own. And they're looking for support um, on that. And then how to take their brands to the next level versus, um, you know, people who have like, like genuine, like interest in the space, but they maybe don't have much of a followership to start with, or they haven't really like started to like dabble in that collaboration space. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, because there's only so many people you guys can uh, can represent at a time. It makes sense. You have to have some kind of like vetting process too to make sure that they're going to be good clients. Yeah. And we never wanted to be an agency who represented everybody. I think it's, um, you know, there, there's some uh, different kinds of agencies and, and like that has been like one of their like key features that they have thousands of, of talent like on their roster. But like on that respect, like it's a different kind of service offering. I think we, we look towards talent management and that like very, um, you know, close relationship with our talent. We do a ton for our talent. And like, quite simply, like we can't be repping everybody with like the level of service that we provide the people who are exclusively repped by us. Yeah. Yeah. So what, um, is there anything, I mean, this probably depends a lot on the person, but is there, are there any kind of like minimums or something? Like if a brand comes to you, like tell, tell the listeners, like what should they know? What do they need to have in mind? Is there a minimum price for like one person or should they have a certain, you know, amount in mind that they're planning to spend for a campaign if they want to, you know, have it across multiple talent, you know, like what, what kind of does that look like from a brand perspective? For sure. So there are a lot of agencies and I think it's more like the platform, like influencer, like database kind of services that might have like a $20,000 minimum and things like that. We don't operate in that same way because we do many like one-off campaigns. Um, But certainly what we say to smaller brands is that like, yes, you can do one post with someone. Like, of, of course you can. Is it going to like move the needle dramatically? Like probably not. Like if you think about it in the same way as like, if you did like one radio ad, right. like one television ad, you know, like it's like, we, we encourage people to set aside some budget to be able to work with it, with the talent across like say four posts, because then the first one or two is just like introducing the brand, you know, like this is someone, this is a new brand I'm working with. This is why I love them. And then like, as they move through that, um, the program kind of like now, like, this is what I'm learning about them. This is what, let's say it's skincare. Like, this is what I've seen over like eight weeks of using this product. Like I'm loving it. Like, this is why, like you can kind of like show that pathway. Um, so usually like we would say at the very like base, base end, some rates would start for, and certainly not all of our talent, but some of our talent would start as low as like $1,500 for a post. Um, and you know, it, it goes up exponentially from there. Um, but what we always say to brands is like, we want to make something work for them. You know what I mean? Like we, we want to help brands and we believe fully in the influencer category. So as, as like a marketing tactic. So it's when you're coming to us, like, let us know what budget you have. And like, yes, you may not have done this before, but let us know like, okay, 
I am able to set aside $10,000. Like what do you think would be best? Would it be best to work with six talent and have them each do one post? Or would it be best to put that whole $10,000 towards one particular person? Or like, should I divide it between two? Like, Mm-hmm. what do you recommend? Like, we'll, we'll come back to you with a bunch of strategic ideas that we think would really work based on like your specific brand. Um, what we find sometimes is that a brand will reach out and say, we'll say, okay, for the deliverables you've outlined, the rate is going to be $15,000. And then instead of just saying like, I, like, I don't have 15 K to spend on this, like, is there anything else we could do? Could we drop the deliverables a little bit? They'll say either, well, I worked with this other person and they did it for less and they have more followers because my answer to that is like, well, I guess you should work with them again. <laughs> like <laughs> if they were so amazing. Um, or secondly, they'll come back and say, I don't think they're worth that. Like no one loves to be told that like what they believe they're worth you don't believe it. Like it yeah, comes it's like, it's not going to make them want to work with you. It's not like, it's not the right approach for it. Um, so I think, as I said, like if you can outline your budget from the, from the beginning, it just makes, it makes our job easier, which in turn, like make is it's easier to communicate. We can give like so much more information. Um, if we, if we just know like where you're, where you're coming from. Um, so yeah, that would, that would be the advice for, for agencies, for sure. Brands, sorry, for sure. And then when it comes to those deliverables, do, how do they know what, uh, how do they know, I guess, what their like return on the investment was? Like, are they, they're looking at, like, you're going to provide them with like clicks to their website or sales that came through the link and things like that. So they can see like, oh, this, you know, when I worked with this influencer, this is what happened from that. Right. Yeah, and it's like their program goals as well. Like every program has different like kinds of goals. So we can direct them in terms of what kind of KPIs they should be looking at. But like, like certainly like impressions like are are always one of them. Engagement is always one of them. But I think like we've been steering people more towards looking at um, different kinds of points, such as like, you know, how many saves uh, has the post gotten? How many GMs did the talent get like from the collaboration in the comments? How many comments were just, you know, general comments? How many ones were actually like, specifically about the call out of that brand or product that's being like listed? Things like that can give um, further context in terms of the success of the campaign, which can be really, really useful. Yeah, that makes sense. I want to ask one more, well, one more thing. Um, I'm just curious, is there like a favorite a campaign that you have had one of your clients work on lately or something that you guys have, have dealt with somewhat recently that was like, for whatever reason, like stood out to you or was like extra fun or interesting? I mean, we work on so many like wild and wonderful campaigns. Um, so without like being able to think of like a super specific one right now, unless you can, Em, like what I love in like an overarching theme in what we love is when the brands just like put trust in the influencer and know that like they know their audience, they do not want a collaboration to go wrong. They, they want it to go super well because one, they probably want to try and work with you again if they love the product and two, like their, their audience and the trust that their audience have in them is like their number one commodity. So if that goes to shit, like, they got some problems. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they can't keep working with brands because their audience doesn't trust them anymore. Like they, like they have to keep that, like they have to hold that trust. Um, 
So it's, um, I, I would say just when, when you are working with talent, like let them tell you what their audience responds to, like use them, like use it, like you're paying for them. Right. It's like, use them, like, un, like get to understand like what days perform better, what times perform better, what has worked in the past that you'd like to try again. Like, like this, their little like vaults of knowledge, like get it out of them. Right. Or, or, or us as the, as the talent management agency, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, I, I would just say like the, the campaigns where the brand has just put all their trust into the talent and said like, you know, what's going to work best here, like go for it are the ones that they just like always perform better. Mm-hmm. I, that for sure. And, um, it like in more general terms, I think like the true, um, product collaborations. So the product collaborations that have stemmed from a result of the brand working with specific talent for like a, a while, like not just ones where brands were like, Oh, I want to do a product collaboration with like said talent, but there's been like a relationship formed, um, with the talent and the brand. And then also that followership, like that community, uh, and that, how that relationship then like grows to then the talent working in like true collaboration with the brand on producing like a, a new product and sharing kind of that whole process from start to finish the success of those types of campaigns, they can be wild. We've seen products, you know, sell out in 30 minutes based on amazing collaborations that have taken place that way. And I think um, there is a true distinction between those that have like developed over like, you know, a, a relationship with the talent over time versus the companies who, who sincerely, they just reach out because they think, oh, this is like a quick ticket to get some hot sales. Like, I feel like those collaborations, it's not the same. They're not on the same kind of like, um, almost like ambassadorship level of the ones that I'm referring to. Um, and those ones, like they take a lot more time. There's a longer investment period, like for the brand, but they can be so incredibly successful. And I love seeing those. I think they're really, they're really fun to watch. Like they're fun to see the, the products come together and it's fun to see how like the community, um, is so excited for the talent as well to be able to get that opportunity. Yeah, that's true. It's awesome. Is there anything else that, um, that you guys think people should know <laughs> either brands or like an, in, or influencers who might be listening that they'd want to, that we should know just cause like, I feel like there's so much more we could talk about, but I know we're kind of getting there on time. So I want, if there's like any last tidbit that you guys are like, this is one thing we should have thrown out there. I'll, I'll say one for the, like for influencers who are like potentially looking for representation is like, don't be afraid to ask questions, right? Like, like we'll be asking you like a million questions about like your platform and this and that, but don't be afraid to like interview us essentially and ask like, you know, like all of the questions that you have, like, don't feel like anything is too big or small, but you know, when you're exploring management, you should probably speak to a couple of agencies mm-hmm. um, and just like ask all the questions, like think of it like any relationship, like, like don't marry us when you haven't been on a date with us, you know, like get to know us a little bit. Um, (laughs) but like, uh, like, and like, tell us what's important to you. You know what I mean? Like if you can outline those like bigger goals for us, we can, we can assess if we are like really a good fit. So I think I would say that to like, you know, the more like emerging talent is like, don't be afraid to ask questions. Like it's as the agency, like it's, it's not us holding all the power where you don't have a say. Um, so, so yeah, don't be afraid to ask questions. And I'd say on, um, like the brand or brand agency side, um, just because 
these talent or social talent doesn't mean that you should just look at them within the social space. Like there's a lot of power that they have on the offline space as well. And as things are changing um, in terms of COVID, have conversations like with the talent in terms of what can be happening like in a real life setting as well and how that can be integrated in campaigns because we've seen some like really amazing things. And I think uh, consumers nowadays are even like more like starved for those real life experiences. So however they can be done in the safety of whatever restrictions are going on in the local COVID, you know, regions, um, th there can be some like great power in integrating um, offline or live components um, to your collaboration. That's a great point. Yeah. Okay. Well, I always ask people two things at the end. So I want to ask you guys and you can either both answer it or you can each take one of them, whatever. But, um, what's one thing that you wish you had known more about when you first started the business? Taxes. I was just going to say bookkeeping. <laughs> Money. <laughs> Um, yeah. in our, our, our real learn, Jess is my, like definitely a steep learning curve on that one, but we, uh, are proud to where we've gotten today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's tough. That is tough. And what's one thing that, um, that you'd want to share with others going along on this entrepreneurial journey with you? Any like piece of advice or last tidbit like that? Um, I would say kind of like, we've, we've kind of talked around this a little bit, but like, like follow the things that like come with ease. And I hate saying that because it's like not that you should only do things that are easy. Like we work super hard, mm -hmm. but like to like kind of listen to your gut on the things that just like feel really natural and don't like over plan. And like, we're probably guilty of under planning to be mm -hmm. fair. Um, but like we were never like, and this is our personalities for sure. So this works for us, but like, don't feel like you have to have like a perfect, like, five-year business plan that you're going to follow every step because like inevitably like it you, you just won't like things happen things change like COVID happens like there's like there's global things that are outside of your control so that like I hate the idea of having things being too planned and then if it goes off track you're like oh now we can't get back on because we yeah. missed a step or you're like disappointed when maybe something even better is like actually happening or or the right thing yeah. is happening it's just different it's nice to like like ha have the plans, but like know that like there needs to be fluidity with them. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And then on that, like as, as well, um, I think like follow the things that make you excited. So things that, you know, come with ease, but also that make you excited. And sometimes um, the, the feeling of excitement can like feel like nerves. We were talking about this with mm -hmm. our team members, like last week during our big planning sessions. And I always remember like uh, reading or hearing from like a sports therapist and they talked about training athletes and how the feeling in your body of feeling nervous is the exact same feeling in your body as being excited. And that can be like a really wonderful guide that you are on to something good. So like understanding like what that is and kind of like getting comfortable with being a little like nervous, excited when, uh, when you're on to something because I feel like when I look back at justice and uh, my pathway with, with, with shine, there is a lot of things we're like, like, don't know, don't know what's going to happen, but it led us to like a really great, um, place. And we had a ton of fun doing it. Uh, so that would be my little piece of advice. I love that. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. You guys, can you just leave us with how people can get, find you, get in touch with you online. If they have any other questions after the fact and want to talk through any of it more with you. Yeah. I think Instagram is usually the best place to find us. Um, shine talent group 
or one word on Instagram is where you can find us. Website is shinetalentgroup.com. Um, and yeah, you'll find us there. We like are more than happy to answer questions. So if you're listening and have some follow-ups, don't hesitate to reach out to Emily and I. We're like easily found once you find the Shine website. So, uh, so yeah, please, please don't hesitate to reach out. And thank you for having us. This was so fun. Thank you so much for coming on. Our pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast, wherever you listen. So you won't miss the next episode and leave a review on iTunes. So other people will be able to find us easily. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you've heard on the show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and contact links are always in the show notes or online at quotablemediaco.com slash podcast. If you want to join the community of other female millennial entrepreneurs, join our Facebook group by searching female millennial entrepreneurs on Facebook. Talk to you soon and see you there.